road leads? Then hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both high and low, rich and poor together. Do you indeed speak righteousness? Do you judge uprightly, all ye sons and daughters of men? And do you judge as others judge? For as you judge, you shall be judged. And if you condemn, you are condemned. Pass on. But there is no return. Hey guys, before we get into this week's show, we want to remind you we're always looking for new guests. If you think you'd be a good fit or know someone, hit us up at info at professionconfession.com. Likewise, we want to do a new thing where you can send us your own confessions. Maybe you don't think you have enough for a whole episode, but you have a good story or something like that you want us to read on the air. That would be really fun. You can hit us at that same website, or we have a form on our website that you can come on. You can fill it out. We'll keep it anonymous. Same thing for our guests. You know, protecting your anonymity is the whole thing. So uh, spread the word, and thanks for listening. I'd like to give a shout-out to John and the staff at Taco John's. Tex-Mex with Tude. Last night, they made me hands down the greatest meal of my entire life. The tables were the perfect height, and the ambiance was flat-out incredible. If you go there, be sure to try the unforgettable Mexican potato tot. Crispy on the outside and mushy on the inside, covered with flavored salt. Hey, perfect for the Tex-Mex addict who wants the whole enchilada. Taco Jones. Hey guys, welcome to Profession Confession. This is the third and final chapter, hopefully the final chapter, in Gabe's Heroin Audio Diary Journal. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I think it was good to do, and we're still with Brian Miller, who you can see at various comedy clubs or look him up on Twitter, at RealBrianMiller, and he's also in what is currently our most downloaded episode, which is the Military Special Ops one. People fucking love that, especially guys. Women, if I can generalize, um, like to hurt people emotionally, not through military action, so... Um, check us out on social media. We are putting up more and more bonus content and outtakes and things that you haven't heard on the show but are really funny. We have a really good Isaac Witte talking about Mitch Hedberg's story. I'm a huge Mitch Hedberg fan. So anyway, check us out on social media. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show and sharing. It means a lot. Enjoy the show. So the name of the street, you remember the name of the street was? Yes, it was Gower. Remember that uh, from my sister. I had a, a phone call to have her fill in a lot of the blanks. I don't remember, and unfortunately, she journaled it. But uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah, it was it was every day, and then she reminded me that you know, so the Pedros are obviously Mexican and very like English second languagey. So she said uh, they'd all laugh at me because when we'd talk on the phone to them to tell them where we are, she said I'd like I would say like like Gower. I met Gower. Like, you try to say it in their <laughs> oh. <laughs> accent so that they understand it better. But, yeah, it was um, it was every day. We lived on Franklin and El Cerrito, or that's that's where I lived at this point, mm-hmm. and we'd drive down to Gower underneath the Hollywood sign. And and um, so we talked about that. You'd see junkies lined up. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, always seeing a silver Ferrari, 
um, on that street. And it was so weird mixed amongst sure. the junkies, kind of. And even though there's nice property there and stuff, it was not silver Ferrari. And, and I mean, we're talking, you look at it, and it might have been a Lamborghini. I don't know cars that well, but it was one of those cars that clearly is $300,000 kind of thing. The Beverly Hills car. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. I mean, among the top end of that. And, uh, and yeah, I'd see it all the time, but you wouldn't see... I'd see the car drive by it, nothing. I just... The reason it stuck out is because I'd noticed it at different spots on Gower. Mm. So that, that kind of made me think, like, I don't know, there's just something weird here. And one day, I... You know, you jump in the back of the car with the Pedros. They, you know, they wouldn't wait. They'd drive you up, you know, two blocks, and you'd have to walk back. Well, every now and then they'd have an in-between stop where someone else would get in with you, which is the worst. Oh, sure. It's worse than sharing a cab. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It's You're both dope sick. You both look like, you know, very often you came out of bed, you know, you couldn't be in worse shape. You... Your body odor. Oh, my God. The body odor when you're dope sick is so bad. And you both just don't even want to look at each other. It's a horrible. But yet there's some sort of like, oh, hello, how are you doing? <laughs> I mean, morning, Sam. Morning, Ralph. Yeah, like yeah. The old Warner Brothers cartoon. Absolutely. And, uh, and one of the days, they pulled up close to that uh, silver Ferrari. And a very handsome, blue-eyed black man, almost like Tevin with blue eyes, uh, jumps in. And it was none other than... Gary Dwarden from uh, CSI. Ah. So remember CSI, the first one? He was like, I don't know if you ever watched it. I mean, he was like the second lead or whatever. And I mean, it was clear he was also a junkie. Very handsome. But still, you could tell junkie. And I remember going like, I was just blown away that this guy who's starring in a number one show right now was... You know, they're buying heroin with me. Yeah. and You got um, stuff in common with the stars. Oh, absolutely. So I'm doing the right things, you see? <laughs> I'm on my way. Silver Ferrari, here comes Already Gary. rubbing shoulders with Gary Dord. <laughs> and then, um, boy, six months later in People magazine, he's he's been arrested in his mugshot. He's got sores on his face. And, I mean, it was his, – his crash was spectacular. And from like a $5 million a year type thing – to out of Hollywood and broke. Wow. And this, yeah. this, of course, doesn't set off any alarm bells for you. No, no. I thought, um, you know, I'm smarter than him, clearly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's amazing how much you don't, you delude yourself the entire time. That's really, talking to my sister today and having your recap, you realize how much I've deluded myself and you even do in that moment. Um, but yeah, it, it was still a little fun at the manor, at least, as we called it. Um, Franklin Manor. And, and you're hanging out with Billy, you said. He came up a little bit. <clears throat> yes, yeah. So, that yeah, that was something that, that we kind of glazed over. But Billy was absolutely my um, my partner in, you know, the search for dope all the time. I think partner in crime literally applies to this Yeah, sense. yeah. We were literally two <laughs> criminals. Yes. And, yeah, would absolutely um, – um, a huge part of our – earning you know i still had the unemployment checks and whatever but your habit grows to a point you know people would uh, would often ask um how much was your daily um habit or whatever be and the answer after f- six or so months at the franklin manor was sort of just well how much money do i have that day oh so if you've got 80 bucks you'll smoke 80 bucks worth of heroin or, well or i would treat myself and i'd get sixty dollars worth of heroin two thirty bags mm. and then i get a 20 bag of coke so that i can you know, ah. listen to Elvis Costello records and play video games 
while or, you're enjoying your heroin. Exactly. Absolutely. I go. We get some crack, smoke crack, or something like that. Are you eating at all during this point? I was on a diet. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd. Uh, you're you, you're starting to waste and lose money. Um, we. It's you know what's really interesting too, and maybe this is a good part of it or something, but. I was always with really – junkies tend to band together. Mm-hmm. You're all in a the worst spot you've ever been in, and you can't share it with anyone else. And you still need some companionship, some mm-hmm. friendship. And there really is a, a weird thing how you all band together and you'll scrape money together to get some. And there is still some honor where, hey, I got 20 bucks. You're sick. I'm sick like – I'm not going to share it with you equally because this is my $20, but I'll give you some so you get well. Sure. You know what I mean? I mean, that was, there was always sort of a communal drive to get stuff. And Billy was a part of that. He did not live at the Franklin Manor. He lived in Hollywood uh, and he lived kind of on the other side, like by Melrose area. But um, he'd come over all the time. We would sell um, records and books at Amoeba fucking every day. Um, this is when I started collecting bottles. So I'd sell through my, I would sell through my um, my unemployment check, mm. or sell through, buy through. Yeah. And like three days through, four days or something like that. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, well, there's, you know, a week until I get, you know, the other one. So um, Greg, I would notice collected bottles. So he he taught me the way of how to collect bottles and turn them in. In California, there's these remote stands where you go feed each bottle in and you get 10 cents for each one so wow if you go around and comb the streets you just go get a bunch of fucking bottles you can get 20 dollars worth of bottles in a couple hours probably and really what it is is the pedros want to keep you strung out they know what their game is Mm -hmm. so it starts as you go if we can get 16 dollars they'll give you a 20 like 16 gets close enough. Sure, they'll they'll round up. Yep, yep. (laughs) If you get close enough, because they know the next day if you get forty dollars, you're going to spend forty dollars. Really, but you would be spending forty dollars right now if you had it. You just absolutely don't have it. Absolutely, as long as you're still in play, you're going to make them more money in the long run. The Pedros literally have a better business plan than a lot of corporations in terms. There's just no question. I mean, they're fucking. You should have seen, um, like the. They have ultimate leverage. You know what I mean? Ultimate leverage. They, um, I will never forget after Christmas. So it'd fly home. Of course, I'm sick every time. And oh, gosh, I must have got sick on the flight or whatever. Cause, you oh, know, so you're going through withdrawals every time you visit your family. Pretty much. But so I would always smuggle heroin onto the, onto the airplane, which always, wow. yeah, a lot of creativity used in that. I would. How um, was, yeah. I, th- I think my most clever one, really was not that clever which is just i would get let's say a gram and it would be in a balloon so it's basically wrapped in tin foil and then a balloon over that and i'd get a pink balloon and then i'd get bubble gum and i'd put that and i'd chew it in my mouth and hold the gum in my mouth around the balloon thinking well if i get you know you could swallow it i can swallow and shit it out i mean if it gets hairy for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um what else would you do? we do the book thing, smuggle it in that. Oh, mail was a huge thing. God, you're making me remember this. We would um, smuggle shit in mail all the time, again with the books, but, I mean, anything. Um, would you, like, mail it to a friend back home to hold for you? I would mail it 
Yes, I would do that. So, I mean, I definitely you can't mail it to your, it. your folks, obviously. I'm Surely. trying to remember. I, I mean, really? I think I did. And Just like address it to yourself at your I, own you house? You know what? I definitely did because it was, um, you know, I was in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. I didn't even have a safe place to mail it besides that. And I think I would just, oh, I would say it's Christmas presents. Oh, of course. So no one can look at it. That's what it was. So that's what it was. It would be in that. And of course, when the when the FedEx guy came, I mean, you'd be te- like, you know, terrified that you're going to sign for the package or whatever, and people are going to run out and you know and get you. And what you realize is they just, you know, they look. They have shit in line. I think we had one thing intercepted once where it just never showed up. Hmm. Um, Which could also just be that FedEx sucks sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You never I know, mean, right? Could knows? be coincidence, but and then, but I have heard of people sending big amounts where the people jumped out. Who are sending? $150 worth or $100 worth. Yeah. And, you know, I was so, I was too clever for them, my hiding. And with, you, didn't, you never got caught. No. With that. Nope. Never got caught. And, I, and we mailed it a lot. Wow. Mailed a lot. I mean, just to you yourself, know, like I said, basically? Send to my friends. I'd oh, okay. Send to my friends as a joke. I would send it to my, what a, a funny joke? joke, huh? You would mail yeah. friends heroin as a joke. How would they react to this hilarious joke? They'd uh, well, one of them just said it was the greatest thing he's ever gotten in the mail because he had ca- came out and smoked it with me once, and anyone who's just done it a tiny amount, you have no fallout. So right. it is just a fun. Like if you like the way um, a Vicodin feels, well, multiply that times a thousand, and you know you'll really <laughs> like it. So that's you know I think that's how they viewed it, sort of. And um, and they in a obviously not advocating it, but mm-hmm. if you that's all the heroin you ever had access to. Okay, you do it three more times, oh. and you're not doing tiny amounts of it at that point, and then you, you don't have it anymore, so life goes on. I would endorse it for children if you could only <laughs> touch it once. You know what I mean? If it was just like everyone in the world gets, you know, 120 like, bag once in their life, and then I'd be like, wouldn't of that course be great? you should try it. You get 10 heroin highs in your life. Mm-hmm. Like you're having a really horrible time, and you're like, you know what? I'm using up number seven. Yep. I want number seven heroin high. Absolutely, man. <laughs> a big thing through all this or that that is something I'm aware of in myself is how important, you know, like the Just Say No campaign, for instance, which gets shit on and made fun of, but really how important that really is because doing it the first time is the barrier. Like the fear of doing, I mean, every time before I ever did Coke, before I ever smoked pot, there's always that true fear and Mm. it stays shocking. And then once you do it once, that barrier kind of comes down. And after a few times, I mean, fuck, I I remember going to this one drug dealer's place. We'll talk about Richard. And my friend Billy took me there. And it was such a fucking shithole in a shit part of town. Dangerous looking. Had a boat. Shitty ass boat that was called Play Buoy sitting on the grass like outside. <laughs> but Play Buoy. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I remember like I fucking was right at home there within a month. You know, like it's yeah that that's important for things to stay shocking or scary if you want to keep, you know, your kids off drugs. Yeah, in a sense. Or if you want to, if you you know, hey, maybe you've smoked a little pot and you've done Molly a few times in your life, but uh, maybe it's okay to stick with that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> stay. Um, there's no need to go to coke. Coke sucks anyway. Um, and yeah, heroin feels great, but it'll, it'll fucking ruin your life. It's just the worst shit in the world. You'll always know that feeling is out there. Yes. If nothing else. Yeah. If your life turns to shit completely, mm-hmm. I know a way to feel good. Yeah. <laughs> and then feel really, really bad. 
<laughs> so so Billy, you're talking about Billy a little mm-hmm. bit. So Billy's your your kind of partner, and he and he and he brings you to this. You you had I know you had some interesting dealers who told me some stories. Yeah yeah. So so Billy was a musician, and he was always trying to get that going. And I'm you hang out with a lot of musicians. I noticed. Yeah yeah. That's for like sure. the majority of the people you hang out with. Any other wannabe writers? Heroin? No, not at all. All heroin people seem to be musicians out there, at least, and at least the ones that I knew. And um, and yeah, so Billy took me to meet Richard, which Richard was the most influential and memorable drug dealer of my entire life. And that's a lot of drug dealers. <laughs> and um, Richard was, and I'll, I don't know how he found him. I know Richard sold pot and Coke. So we used him for Coke mostly. <clears throat> but um, he was one of the most eccentric characters I've ever met. He was from Milwaukee. He really he was like this really nebbish like and he talked like that like 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 he called my sister and she was like a a model who's like 19 years old and he'd say she'd walk out of the room and he'd say oh she was such a beautiful child right like just this but it was harmless because he's such a pussy like he was the one like an arc drug dealer that i was scared i was gonna rob all the time (laughs) You know what I mean? Because you knew you could. I could do it easily. I fucking thought of it all the time. and um, But somehow Richard became a real hub in the valley. And he lived like off Lancashire in this really shitty area. And you would go to his ramshackle um, place that he rented, like a house with, you know, weeds and shit in the yard. And you'd go in and at 6 o'clock, tons of people are getting off work would show up there. To buy coke or heroin. So you'd all line up in the kitchen together. <laughs> but the characters, it was like, um, there was a porn star, Brandy Lyons, mm. and her husband, Scott Lyons. And then there'd be a highway construction or a highway worker, and then whatever. And I remember one day, so everyone's like waiting and kind of bitching about their day. Like, you know, I got off at the furniture store or whatever I was doing, and, and Scott Lyons goes like, oh, I do this big stretch. And he goes, oh, I'm just f- fucking tired. I go, oh, yeah? Well, you know, what'd you do today? He goes, oh, just fuck the shit out of these two Asian chicks today. <laughs> but he really was tired. Like, you could tell. <laughs> it wasn't, he wasn't, like, showing off. He was, he had a hard day. <laughs> and, uh, and then there was this girl, Melissa, who was there all the time. She was a porn actress, but very low level. She was on, uh. Brian, one of your favorite websites, pissmops.com. Ah. Yeah, you tell me about that. Yeah. It's, uh, boy, that, that thing auto-loads. If I, t- if I hit P, it's on. Absolutely. I'm going straight to pissmops.com. To where your wife even condones it. You I feel like the mop part of that is more offensive than the piss part. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is for sure. I think it's the personification as human being as mop. Versus just there's a gentle way to do the piss thing, but the mop part is heavy. Whoever wrote the copy on pissmops.com is the most evil motherfucker I've ever heard in my life. And the worst part is she didn't actually work on pissmops.com. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh oh oh, wow. One hundred percent. Sorry, I thought you were. uh... Let me give you a sample of uh, because I'll I feel like I'll never forget it, even though I don't remember it exactly. This is basically how it went because she showed me with an element of pride. This is the same girl who was saying how much coke she's done. And then she wanted to prove it to me by grabbing a flashlight off Richard's counter. And she goes, here, look. And she had me look up her nose. She, like, held her nose open like oh, no. it was a vagina. And you could actually see the hole between her septum. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
And again, I blew right through that stop sign as well. Like, look at this fucked up bitch. <laughs> I'm glad sleep? I'm not like that. Did you try to sleep with her? No, 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 no. That's how far down the pike she was. And wow. she offered. And I was in a low spot, and I'm not. Wasn't interested. Even if your bathroom floor needed cleaning? I did, right. I did drive her as a, as a, because uh, she was a hooker as well. Mm. So I drove her as like her muscle once. If you're on pissmops.com, hooking is actually your day job. Like that's your better job. Yes. Oh, no question. Probably. The copy on Piss Mops oh was to the extent of, and remember, she shows it to me on her foot. Like, like, look at this is my new ad on or my new thing on. It's her real. Yeah, yeah, it was. And and the guy wrote, and they give her some fake name, and they said, "We got this hollow-eyed fucktard walking on the side of the road, and she had no clue where she was. I don't know if she was strung out on drugs or just fucking stupid." But we got her in the car and like oh. it's basically like some heavy like taking advantage of weak people scenario just to bring them home. And then it's like we doused her in piss and this like, you know, whatever, couldn't get enough of it. Even when she wanted us to, I don't know. It, it, was, it was so truly vile and evil that it wasn't even funny, even though it is now a little bit. But oh. super dark. And amazing to think that she had some element of pride in it. By the way, we've talked, and this is how show business is. Here's, here's the, the strata of people in show business. Mm-hmm. Silver Ferrari CSI guy, mm-hmm. piss mops. Absolutely. That is all part of a spectrum. All holding hands. All holding hands. Absolutely. They're all linked by Ke- three Kevin Bacons. Yep, yep. You're just getting <laughs> sick in a different house. And, and heroin is, you know, hobbies bring people together. I feel like any ho- anything like an addiction is such an equalizer. Mm-hmm. That it puts you in spheres of people that you would never in 10 million years. Yeah. Oh, it's just, I mean, it's it's having a hobby that is, it's like way worse. Like think in school when you love Star Trek. And of course you had to be friends with other dorks who like Star Trek because it's embarrassing everyone. This is heroin. Yeah. You can't just, you know, go like, oh, well, one of the things. So you have to be friends with other heroin addicts. It's like when you find out like ring of pedophiles. Of course, in a ring of pedophiles, you can't be friends with normal people. If there are yeah. rings of Game of Thrones fans, right, that right. is not nearly as hardwired right. to people. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it, and it gets so, um, yeah, man. I don't know. You are a team together, like you really are. But getting back to Richard, Richard was um, the I straw, mean, the truly, the coke. truly one of the most bizarre human beings I've ever met. You you would go to his house, and it was, I mean, fucking filth. Yeah, like oh. orange grease covering everything, kind of. And yet he has a, a fucking 80-inch TV, and he's got six cats. Oh, my God. He would buy the same – he would buy cats with identical markings. Uh, white – he called them cop car cats. Mm-hmm. So white and black cats that had identical markings, and he had a big picture of the original one. And then every cat, he would get named the same name, and that they looked the same. It was like, and he oh. had six in a row. That's like, kind of heartbreaking, amazing. actually. Yeah, it really was. But he, he was pretty happy with this arrangement. He always had a snowball or whatever. Yep, yep. I wish I could remember the name. And I, I've learned so much there, especially about sexual dysfunction, because that was the first place where one day I walked in, and you'd walk in the side kitchen door, and through the angle... Of uh, you'd see into the living room, and he had his big TV there, so you'd see the TV first. And I looked on the TV, and and I'd gone there at an odd time. It was like one a.m. or two a.m. something. And and on the TV, I just see 
like very videotapey, um, grainy footage sort of. And it just like starts zoomed in on a possum skull. And then it zooms out and you just see a red high heel like crush it. And then all of a sudden you see a pop can and crushed it. And, cr- and that's where I learned about crush videos. And, sure. And But these two guys and him and his gay buddy, even though they both said they like chicks, but they're so clearly butt-fucked when we left, um, would just stand there like holding beers with their pants on and everything, just watching this crush video. It's funny that the, the homosexuality was their Mangino line. Oh, yeah. That's what they, we will not break this line. We'll watch possum crush videos together in full public view. Oh, and, and wait, you hear this, the shit this guy did? He, he had a, he had a real life um, sex doll. So like a real doll, those ones that are like eight grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, There's a whole special about him on like HBO yeah. or whatever. And then he would keep it in a cage next to his bed. <laughs> So that his cat couldn't get to it and scratch it up. <laughs> the cat that looked like all the yeah, other cats. He was cool with that. Like, I'd walk by and see, like, the first time, it looks like a woman in a cage. Those things are real. And a true shock of fear goes through me. Like, oh, my God, what is it? And he goes, oh. And I was like, Richard, what is it? And he goes, oh, that's just my doll. I fuck her on this. I mean, bizarre. Does she have a name? Oh, yeah. She had a name. He would go shopping for her, and I don't remember it. But he would go shopping for uh, to buy her shoes. He'd buy her necklaces. Um, one time I went in there, and he had her laying on the bed. And, you know, this looks like a real woman. And it's laying there spread eagle on his dirty bed with dirty T-shirts and all this shit all over it. And you see this network of mirrors set up around it. <laughs> Six mirrors with books stacked underneath them and... Um, you know, they're on swivels and all this stuff. So you can tell he's trying to look at something very specific. And she's laying there. And you see one... Li- the, these things are so real looking that one lip hangs more to the right on their vagina than the other. And it had you could tell he was there recently because there's a little bit of dew in it. Like, it just glistened? Oh, so gross. But yet you're fascinated because it's so disgusting. The feature that he paid a whole bunch extra money for... Is that he paid for the, that you could pull its tongue out of its mouth so it could stick its tongue out. That was like $1,000 more. Wow. So that he could suck on her rubber tongue while he fucked her. Yeah. Let that. Let that stand. Yeah, super gross. And uh, so he was sitting on the bed, spread eagle, with its tongue hanging out and dead eyes. I mean, beyond disturbing. I see these mirrors and I go, Richard, what is with all the mirrors? What are you trying to do? And he goes... um, he goes, oh, yeah, that's so I can so I can look at her high heels while I fuck her. <laughs> it's so funny. This guy's got very specific tastes over Very him. specific tastes. He wore Green Bay Packer gold pants. He'd go buy white pants, and he would dye them Green Bay Packer gold in his bathtub. So his bathtub was always gold-looking. Was he a Packer fan? Oh, diehard. So this was not a just a fashion choice? Mm-hmm. Do you watch um, the Packers and Crush videos? By the way, this guy is the reason I'm really rooting for the Vikings even more this season. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just really liked to watch people get tackled. I bet he's like literally stared at Aaron Rodgers' cleats for a long stretch oh, of yeah. time. Please step on a worm. <laughs> Please, there's got to be a night crawler out there. But you, you kind of like this guy. Loved him. He was fascinating. He was... Uh, Where did he get his money? In, just all from drugs? Is that... Yep. And he lived in... If, if this house was more than $400 a month, I mean, I'd be, it was, you know, you could push your way through a wall 
if you know if you need to get out <laughs> and I remember, you know, I really got in good with him. He really liked me because I took interest in him and everyone else. You does know, he do heroin? He a, no, no, no. Does not, he do any? Does he, he do I coke? Was crazy. That does I'd he do, do coke? It. No, no drugs at all. Sure. He, he would drink a lot. He would drink okay. a lot, get really drunk. He was in a porn, and he played Renfield, which you have to remind me who <laughs> from Renfield Dracula. Is. Dracula. Renfield is like the wretched assistant. Yes. Uh, Tom Waits is the Renfield character in the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. There you go. If that helps you. Yes, it does, and that's. Absolutely. So he had his. Own I mean, that's headshot. like the vilest. It's like playing you played Gollum in a porn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I mean, he looked. He Which had, someone did, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he had a, like a bit of a hunchback. I know he wasn't a hunchback character, but I mean, he <laughs> was Renfield. Was he, he was like an Italian guy who could play Native American. Like, oh. he's hunch esque. He's plausible. I, I mean, anything if you need someone to be a worthless <laughs> pussy human garbage, he's perfect for it's it. It's a shame that movie Simon Birch wasn't more successful. He could have been in the porn mm-hmm. version of it. And I. <laughs> And I find his, um, I find this dirty piece of paper, and I start looking at it, and it's the list of everyone who owns, who owes him money, which mm-hmm. my name's on there, and it's, you know, I owed him like $120 because he, he would give credit, and just like he was the only person who I wrote, uh, I wrote a check for uh, 250 for Coke, for one line of Coke, mm-hmm. which bounced my check. <laughs> one line? Yeah, one line. He, he let me write him a check for one line of Coke. Two dollars and fifty cents. Two dollars and fifty cents. Oh, I said two hundred and fifty dollar line of coke. Over. I figured you're doing mm-hmm. it with a crazy straw. Two dollars and fifty cents. That's like buying a Lucy from a gas station. Exactly. And it would be, you know, it's coke. So one of my favorite things. You could have done be, it with the check. Would be, you know, you smoke some heroin at Franklin Manor. I drive over the hill, and, you know, like, like the lights in the Hollywood Hills are beautiful and. You listen to some record you really love, and you'd go to Richards, you'd pick up, you know, three lines of Coke for 15 bucks or for 10 bucks or something, and then you'd drive back over, and then you'd get home, and you'd be like, yeah, I should go get some more fucking Coke, and then you'd turn around and drive back over, and pretty soon you're there at 3 a.m. writing them checks for 250 So, it's, you start hanging out with these people that it's just like, disgusting. <laughs> like, it was funny. But it's also disgusting. But do you view yourself this whole time as kind of better than them? Oh yeah, like absolutely. They're all they're all doing this, and I'm sort of still I'm still Gabe floating through this as an artist. I'm still an artist collecting you know data for my great novel, and, for but, sure. And none of the other ones, unless you're musicians, they don't have these same aspirations. Does Richard have a big aspiration? No, nope, no, not at all, not at all. And and I mean, he'd have some cool stories about smuggling big amounts of drugs, but no, he, I mean, he had. I remember I found his bank shit, and he had $60,000 cash in the bank, and he lived just in hell. And, um, I mean, he had a bathroom. I remember – so we're doing coke there. You always have to shit when you, whatever, take coke. I did not – so when it's you, like the opposite of heroin in that way. Yes, yes, absolutely. People use it to, oh. to expedite that. So – and I would never, ever want to use his bathroom. Oh. Ever. I mean, it was – I mean, you would clench the first time I was there. I'd clench my ass just standing in his kitchen. What was the grossest thing you don't about want his bug to crawl up there? What was the grossest thing about his bathroom? Oh, actually, he he actually said, um, finally one day I just had to go like a stomach cramp, like I gotta go, and I go, Richard, I gotta use your bathroom, and I was open with him about how disgusting I thought his house was, mm. and he goes. Um, he goes, oh, I don't want you to use my bathroom. What if something's embarrassing? <laughs> and I go, <laughs> the guy, right. this is a uh, sex doll. Yeah, Mirror yeah. shoes. Oh, and, and then 
So then he said, well, I got to go check, make sure I didn't leave anything out. And he was not joking when he said this. I promise. Oh, no. He came back out and he said, okay, you can use it. The only thing in there is my douchebag for my doll. <laughs> I always wondered how they cleaned that's, those things yeah, out. That's not embarrassing to him, though. He's looking for embarrassing things. I, what, do you, I wonder what he was looking for. Yeah, I know. I know. No, and it was. There's big old douchebag hanging, which I'd never seen a douchebag. Uh, I, I believe I believe we threw one at a friend in high school. Really? Yeah. You know, Did it explode a, like a water? Yeah, balloon? yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Really? Yeah, off some bleachers. We should make douchebag water balloons. We did. I mean, like, <laughs> so we should market it and sell it. Yeah. Well, it was a different time. It was yeah. a different time. <laughs> yeah. So. So, so you you like this guy, and, and but so now you're you're still having fun. Absolutely. For, everything's going great. Now you've mentioned your your you've mentioned your sister. Yep. A few times, but she's she's still not there yet. Nope, she's still not there. I'm very much into the Franklin Manor and like mm-hmm. enjoying the people there. Yeah, like there was um, the landlord was Art, who was this little short, stocky guy, and he'd really get in your face. Like he'd knock on the door and he gets there, and he's like, "He, uh, I'm the new land, I'm the new landlord, Art." And uh, I'm a fucking one percenter, so don't fuck with me at all. Like, he'd be super upfront with that. He's a one percenter. So I had to ask him, what's a one percenter, which it's a hell's angel. Yes. And, uh, and I'd, you'd notice whenever you'd look at his face, like, something's off or weird. And then someone else in the place pointed out to me, like, yeah, he's wearing mascara all the time. Just was, mascara. Just mascara. Or, like, I, I, um, yeah. is mascara the, the lashes or the yes. eyebrows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's thickening his lashes. Okay, thickening his lashes. And then also maybe lines. Like, you draw okay. a little line. Eyeliner. Around, eyeliner, yeah. yep. And, and then all of a sudden someone points out that they were walking by outside. And they notice um, Art fucking some tranny in the ass. And he was wearing a big, like, a lady's wig. And they had a sex swing right in front of the window on El Cerrito. So he's a very closeted, uh, whatever. I guess I don't know what that is anymore. I just, I just say person. What's it called trans? Yeah. Because you you're evolved. <laughs> exactly. You're growing up, Gabe. You know. Yeah. We yeah. all grow up. Exactly. But you'd see, like, that's a. Uh, um, he had weird connections. Ron Jeremy came in to visit him once. I'm sitting by the pool reading my book, and Ron Jeremy in a tranny and roller skates comes into this hotel thing, which is uh, cobblestones. Like you can't roller skate on it, so it was very it stuck out. And there's the hedgehog walking in, and then he was Billy Idol's um, right hand man for a long time, and he'd always, you know, he'd love dropping Billy Idol stories. And like I talked to the guy fifteen times, it wasn't that much, but you'd get these like, you know, and well, I used to, you know, oh yeah, when I was with Billy on the road and I was doing his security, and you know, Billy's family's real rich, and he'd say that Billy Idol for Christmas. That his family's super rich mm-hmm. and that they'd sit around Christmas morning. And he said he sat in the room for this. And Billy Idol's parents gave Billy Idol $500,000 cash for Christmas. That he unwrapped a box that had $500,000 cash in it. Wow. And that they had all exchanged big sums of cash. Which is... Uh, almost useless. Yeah. Right. But really funny in a way. <laughs> you know? It's so weird. And... Um, it's the thought that counts, question yeah. mark? Yeah, and that's where I met Bobby, who Bobby was this, uh, he was kind of like my first Tevin, a handsome, half black, half You hear that, Tev? You excited? You feeling good? Uh, this is, yeah, the proudest yep. moment of my life, getting compared to a heroin 
Added. Future. Yeah, future. future. Well, I turned also, him out. Still time got, for you. You also got compared to the CSI guy. That, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, if there's a mixed Mama half black it. and white guy, it's going to be Tevin, you are my touchstone. <laughs> and this guy was a model just like he didn't model at Wilson Leather Jackets like Tevin oh, did. So he's not big time. Yeah. But uh, he did modeling stuff. And I remember I met him um, because he was doing green card marriages to some Jew lady in the, or I'm sorry, Israeli lady in the apartment. <laughs> I, was, I, think you, I think you undid person with tranny and Jew lady. I think I did too. <laughs> and I didn't even mean. I think you're, you're, you're back in the red, Gabriel. All, yeah, all the progress it. was just erased. Ah, shit. And I really like them too. But uh, everyone knows I'm a uh, Jew lover. But I am. Portnoy's complaint did it. So, um, and he was and he was pitching me that I should marry one of her friends because you get you know five or ten grand, but you'd go through it and they had to do interviews like it was just incredibly a lot of work so I bailed out on it. But um, man, other F- Franklin Manor highlights. I remember pulling up so it was right on Hollywood Boulevard, and uh, I'd go down to buy crack every now and then to stay awake. And I remember I jumped. And you just see people on the corner of uh, La Brea and, and Hollywood Boulevard. And I'd go by it. And I remember you'd have to jump in the back of their car. And one time we had driven up a couple blocks. We got pulled over. Mm. And I remember just like, you know, your life is over. Right. Like I'm in a car with drug dealers and whatever. And I started to panic like, you know, should I run? Should I, should, you know, I'm saying stuff. And the guy goes, and like he looked in his side. He goes, no. Nah. He's like, don't worry, man. I got this guy. And he comes up and. They did a, like, oh, it's you. Don't worry about it. It was clear that he bought off the cops in that area, which is really fucking interesting. Did you ever have any run-ins with the cops? Did that ever become a thing for you? To be honest, that, that's where I learned about racism out there because when you get pulled over there as a white guy who looks somewhat clean, mm-hmm. you never felt safer. They would, like, dismiss you to move you on. Like, oh, you know, it's you. In, you yeah, know, in a way. I mean, so so that's how it felt. Yeah. So you know, so that that was never, never uh, the concern for and all the shit. And re, and you were, I'm guessing, you're probably at a certain point stopped worrying about it so much because you keep no. getting away with it. No, I was worried about it all the time more and more because I I came up with this thing that whenever we drove down to Gower and would wait to pick up, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you're sitting there on the street for an hour. And you have tinfoil and a lighter and, and all if your If the shit. cops drove by, they have to know what you're – they know what you're there for. You certainly feel like it. And, and then you're getting out and jumping in a car and then jump back out. And I really had this counter in my head where I thought every time I buy this and get back in the car, I'm one closer to getting caught. Sure. And it's just a matter of a countdown. You will get caught at some point. So, no, it was very high okay. – it felt high tension every time, but I never really – Never had, had to dissuade you, obviously. I even ran out of gas once with my sister, like when she got there later, because we didn't want to spend, we're down to our last, maybe mm, we have right. 25 bucks between us to get a 30, and we didn't want to spend any money on fucking gas, so I ran out of gas on the interstate and had to walk down and get a whatever pop bottle full of gas to put in there. Was, yeah, yeah, no, desperate. All right, so you've talked about your sister a lot, but it hasn't mm-hmm. come, she hasn't, no, she's not out there yet, no, but now you're at Franklin and everything's going well. And then your sister's going to move it. Move. Why, why is your sister going to move to L.A.? Because she was going to be a model. Okay. She's been modeling in Michigan. She was – I don't even know how she got started necessarily. But, you know, she was 
you know, one of the prettiest girls in our small town. So it only makes sense that she'd be, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I don't know what the thought process was, but she's actually talented, could sing and, oh, okay. um, and act and stuff. But for whatever reason, she wanted to follow the modeling thing more. And she was going to get sent out there. And I was doing so well in the entertainment business. If you listen to my are you, stories. Are you telling your family back home that you're do, doing really well? And what are you telling them that you're doing? I don't. So I don't remember entirely. I was always lying. I, I wasn't making grand lies or anything like that. Okay. It was never anything like that. But it was probably – I don't know that I said I was doing stand-up. I'm sure I did. Yes, I'm sure I did because when I came home, I would always be working on my stand-up somehow. And, and they're um, assuming you're actually going out to sign up for the improv. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think they were under any illusions that I was doing well because I was calling them like you know, saying my Jeep broke down again or whatever bullshit to get right. you know, money out of them. You know, so it's, I mean, I, re- I re- like remember them asking what's the matter with me and I'd be on like my fucking knees in my bedroom, like almost in tears, like nothing is wrong with me, Ma. like nothing. I'm fine. I just, I've had bad luck. I mean, it's so like, and I just li- doing the acting job of my life basically. And it felt so fucking horrible, like so terrible. But then to get that check was such freedom because you, you you just keep going and getting like you just keep putting yourself in prison over and over and over again if you get ahead even for a moment you'll spend all that money immediately and be desperate as fuck because if i don't get heroin that next day i'm i mean i'm sick and puking you're always behind the eight ball and i think the biggest um like misconception with any heroin addicts like um, like I've never met an addict who wants to be an addict for a heroin addict. You know, like may- maybe there's a time in the beginning where you- you're kind of able to have fun, but really, when it comes down to it, every everybody wants out, and everyone. If you, we're all lying and pushing it down and acting fine, but you have those quiet moments when you're together, and it's you want out, but there's so much shame wrapped in, in it. And the second you sound that alarm to say, like. You know, one thing that happened to me is people would go like, you know, hey, we know, you know, we know you're doing something. We know you're doing something. I'd be like, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm fine. And then they, you know, you can tell me. You can, come on, you can tell me it's fine. And then you'd tell them and it would just sound the alarm bell and fucking you lose everything. You know, you're, you're wrong. Everything you've done for the past years, all your opinions, every argument you had, it was like, I knew you were on drugs and this is what you did to me at that time and this is how I felt and now it's your... I mean, it's people... This is my view of it and it's a cynical view but I think there's a lot of truth to it is that when you get down in that level, people are naturally... I don't know. They like... This sounds worse than I even mean it to be but enjoy... When you're definitively wrong, they mm. really enjoy lording that over you and just talking to you like, hey, man, all you need to do is, you know, just get your stuff back together and just one step at a time. And, and it's like, man, you're a fucking – you work at a furniture store too. You're not better necessarily, you know, but there's a superiority that people – You're already have. full of shame. The, yes. You, what you need is oh. compassion. I mean, you know, you definitely need the not tough Not just you. I mean part, everybody. But yes, that's what – I mean I – I, I definitely think the way that we um, approach it now is wrong. I know that um, if uh, people who do like free heroin exchanges, for instance, 
the reason your behavior persists and gets so bad is because like, okay, I'm already in debt. I'm behind in rent. I have no money. I have no like whatever. Um, I'm going to get sick if I don't get heroin. So I got to go out and get heroin somehow. So you go do whatever shitty behavior. Mm. You know, I'd have a girlfriend come visit me and she'd take a shower and I'd go steal $20 out of her purse and drive to Gower and then come back an hour later or something. And she'd be like, where the hell did you go? And I, you know, just, oh, I had to see some guy for, you know, whatever fucking lie it was. And, and uh, boy, he's in a good mood all of a sudden. What happened there? And it's just, the reason you do that stuff is because you don't have another way out. Because, the, like, essentially, the consequences of being honest and saying I'm a junkie are worse than being a junkie. In the, in the short term, for it sure. It is, yes, yes. And also, is the there a part term. of you that's like, once I tell my friends and family, I'm for sure not going to get to get any more heroin. Oh, you know what? It's Like, it sounds like a relief, but also... It's it's almost not even just heroin. It's not even that that singular because in my head it was like I could pro- I could probably give that up, be fine with it, but it's that it felt like you're giving up everything. Like I can't drink anymore. I can't. I I don't know. Uh, it felt like the death of your persona, even because now it's not just stopping those chemicals or 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 even drinking. It's that I have to be a totally different person. I have to be sober and humble and good and I have to get a real job and I have to I you know I don't know why it felt so extreme but it does and you go down and down and I even remember driving by a billboard on the 101 that it was like so okay you know how rehab commercials are super corny and really like piano tinkly and they say end of your rope a lot like like are you at the poor metaphor by the way right right so I thought and then I see a billboard of, are you at the end of your rope? And it showed hands and a rope. And then the rope was like that cartoonish where it got down to one cord and it was going to break. Mm. And I remember reading that driving and just my eyes just filled with tears. Like, <laughs> you just start crying. And it's like, I didn't even think, you know, it's like your subconscious catching up with you kind of. You're, you like, always you're know. like, there might not be a lot of rope left down there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just trying to outrun it constantly. That really is. You are every day, like I felt like an escape artist. Every day was getting up going, I have no money. I have an addiction that is on the clock. If I don't get heroin in the next five hours, four hours, I'm going to be puking sick in hell. And time to go get some bottles or hustle up favors or whatever you can do. Is there any thrill to the cycle? I mean, obviously, yes. there's a thrill when you get it, but was there a little thrill to the danger or the... I mean, does it give you a weird purpose? Yeah, sure. Yes, I think that's true. Obviously, and, a very minimal one. But. And I think the satisfaction in getting it, because it was so dire just before you got it, mm-hmm. that it, it becomes a reward, essentially. You know, yeah. where it's like, it feels like, fuck yeah, you know, pulled it off again. And then you'd get very quickly depressed as you start smoking through it or whatever and going like, oh, no, I have to do this again tomorrow. And and it would be daunting sometimes, like going, oh, I have to do this again tomorrow and I, I have no prospects. I've sold everything. I, I had this great book collection mm. and I sold all of them. I sold every record I had. I, I mean, anything you can get your hands on. Um, you know, and then you're... Man, I I remember pulling in 
with my car, like you parked under your building, so they're on stilts. Mm-hmm. And you know how like, so it was late at night, I come in just drunk as fuck. Like, I just can't even believe how drunk I am driving it right downtown Hollywood or whatever, all the touristy zone. And I remember I turned in, you see your lights sweep across, you know, all the other cars and into your car park. And like a raccoon, I just see eyes. And it's this homeless guy. <laughs> and he was like, fuck, just bugged his eyes, fear. And he was squatted. And I had just seen a flame going out. And I'm like, oh, my. And he just bolted, ran down the hill. And I was like, oh, my God, he was smoking heroin or crack or something. I got to go get some of that. And he was <laughs> weaker. So I, like, just jump out of my car. Like, I leave the door open. Oh, it's you're going to roll him for this? Um, I don't know what I was going to do, but I went... And I chased him down the street. I caught him at the end of the block right before Hollywood Boulevard. And and he, like, just does the immediately, like, don't hurt me, man. Don't hurt me, man. And I was like, I go, I won't hurt you. And I and I grabbed my shirt. I won't hurt you if you give me a hit of that crack. And he goes, oh, shit. I was like, oh, shit, man. No problem. So we go back up near my car, and we squat in front of my car in the parking ramp. And he has the, the glass, like, New Jack City tube. <laughs> And yeah, with the with the Brillo pad in there, and he smokes a hit, and then I smoke a hit, and then we have a good laugh, and I slap him on the back, and we're buddies, and he leaves, and I go in. I remember waking up that next morning, and go like I was so hungover, and then it just dawned on me like, oh my god, you smoked crack with a fucking bum last night, and I remember the vision because his lips were truly white ash, just like those you know, like New Jack City, like Pookie. And I remember laying in bed as a hangover, bringing my fingers up to my lips and feeling them. And I was terrified they were going to be like just, you know, riddled with bubbles and and sores and stuff like that. And just that was truly like a stomach ache, like going, you are out of control. You are way out of control that you drove that drunk and then smoke crack with a homeless person. What the fuck? So. But at the same time, you said you're, you're also trying to get people into it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, I think a big trap of it is um, trying to convince yourself that it's okay or that it's not such a big deal. And it's not in, in, in isolation, I guess. And, yeah, friends would come to town and they would uh, smoke it with me. And, I, and then I learned they'd kind of go home going, like, what the fuck's his problem? Because that's all I really wanted to do. So you're like, kind of losing friends one at a time this yep, way. Yep, absolutely. And isolating and then gaining friends by like Bobby who lives in the apartment. Mm. Someday, one day we hang out and I get him to try it and he really gets into it right away. So now we're thick, you know, we're thick as thieves and we're buddies. And now he's on the hunt with us every day. And he's the one who got, he worked in the art department for this guy named Rob Fox who does it for a lot of music videos and movies and stuff like that. So Bobby was my way into getting some legitimate jobs, which helped a lot. That was It was the first time I was starting to work like again. Like temp work and desperate. stuff, basically? Um, working art department on on music videos and on uh, film shoots. Like I did a, um, I did a Nick Lachey video, the video that he met Vanessa whatever on. Hudgens? I can't remember. His wife, the half Asian, half white chick. You don't know who Nick Lachey is married to? No, I don't. Of course not. But I do. <laughs> I do know who Nick Lachey is. She was one of the most gorgeous women I've ever seen mm-hmm. in my life um, in person before Mrs. Noah, of course. Yes, of course. And um, 
And, you know, even doing that stuff, man. I worked on a Prince music video. This was wow. like a really formative thing. I worked on his video for, for Black Sweat in the art department. In L.A., not in Minnesota. Yep. yep. In, in Los Angeles. Uh, Bobby and I are complete junkies. And he gets me the job. And, you know, you kind of... You go to a job and then you sneak down to the truck and you smoke some heroin. And then and then you go back up and And what whatever. are you doing on these videos? Are you just like ferrying supplies and stuff? Basically? So I was art department. So you're doing like background design, helping with props, doing just uh, kind of a little bit of everything, but generally the backgrounds. And um, and, and I was low, low, low level with it. Yeah. So I was just kind of holding shit for people. Yeah. But, um, you know, bouncing light maybe a little bit. But... The Prince one was really cool because that was my first like uber celebrity thing. And I remember they said that they're filming it at Prince's house, um, but it was a house that he was renting. Somehow that was said right away because I just remember we got there and you pull up in the front uh, driveway and in the fountain it says 3121. And there's a fountain, which is like Prince's number somehow, Mm, maybe his football number or something. I, no, what? Uh, what is that number? I, I don't know. I'm not a huge yeah. Prince fan. I'm not okay. from here. So then, yeah, <laughs> good for you. So, um, um, and then you go into the elevator to go up, and it was all purple suede with his symbol <laughs> sewed into the elevator purple suede. And then we got up to the second floor where the they were going to film, and you step out on the marble, and I shit you not, it had his symbol in the fucking marble in the ground. And, you know, and and so my big joke that I was getting laughed was like, boy, you know, Prince is going to lose his deposit. <laughs> and I, you know, thought that was really funny. And and um, they they rallied us together and they're like, you know, you walk in and he's rehearsing with his band and you're just, you know, milling 40 feet away. And he's like playing with his band and, you know, he's a he's a little little uh, like a business lady or whatever, like he's wearing a very power lady business suit with very high lift heels on and. But he's super assertive and almost mean to the ladies who he's, you know, and it was fucking cool. And because I was a huge, that was the first uh, tape that I ever bought. And I loved it, even though I wasn't at this point. Anyway, and um, and I remember they said at one point, do not look Prince in the eyes. And that's a, I've heard of that before. I've never been told that. And um one time I was sent to go get cables down at the truck, and it was a long hump down to the truck, long hallways, big house, and I had to go get them, and I'm coming back up, and there was like a 30-yard hallway, and I'm walking up and just kind of whatever, holding the cables, and I start hearing a clip-clop, clip-clop coming down the other side, and who starts coming opposite me but the purple one comes around the corner. And I remember just thinking, like, okay, I can't look him in the eyes. But it's just me and him in a hall that's long as fuck. So I'm just looking. By the way, this is the exact moment that he doesn't want to be looked in the eyes. R- right, probably. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, like, look down into the right, down into the right. Because I needed this job. I did need the money. It was kind of of a thing. But also, you're kind of like, fuck Prince. I can't look you in the eyes. And But I'm going, whatever, I need the job. Look down to the right, down to the right. And then all of a sudden, right at the last minute when he's probably like six feet away from me, I just dart my eyes up into the left like, you know, I got to look at him. Gotta, mm. And I dart my eyes up into the left and look, and he's staring right back at me like really hard. And I just ooh, went right back down to the right. So it's, it's like he was policing me, and I just was like, oh, fuck, you know, I lost the job. I'm going to lose the job. I know it. But nothing happened. So that was good. He let Bobby stand in because he liked his look. 
and Bobby got to stand in for camera blocking, so that was made me feel inferior. And then we got to stay around for a um, he had a Grammy party afterward, and he like let the, a, the Grammys were on that night or something. Yep, yep. So he did his video, and it was either that night or the next night. And we got to stick around, and they wanted the art department guys to work fog machines for his party mood. So I had to like, you know, you're sitting up in a balcony above the party, and you're seeing famous people. Like um, I remember Bruce Willis walking in with. I'll I'll never figure out what this was because I knew what his kids looked like mm-hmm. um, from whatever tabloids, whatever it is. But he walked up with like two blonde, I'm gonna say 23 year old like hippie hippie boy girl both beautiful but really dirty unkempt and they were so clearly all on heavy hallucinogens it was just amazing and i mean laughing a mess like a mess hunter s thompson mess whole looking at his own hands and doing (laughs) like like really i just did not think bruce willis would behave this way he didn't (laughs) die hard plane i know yeah exactly and um Jude Law was there. Like there was a while later where I went and joined the party and I ran into Jude Law's super hammered waiting in the bathroom line with me. And he's just, he's willing to talk to anyone. He will, you know, I'll give him that. And he turned and he said, he asked me if I liked Coldplay. And this is when Coldplay was awesome. Or at least like people thought they were awesome. And I knew they sucked. <laughs> he's laying down cover fire right now. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Coldplay oh, no, no, no. was never I'm about awesome. to I'm about to show myself as a visionary because I'm saying, Popular culture still liked him at this point. And I said, Coldplay sucks donkey dicks. And he said, you know, he got very, he said, oh, I, you know, I saw Coldplay last week. It was, uh, he was using actor words, like saying, like, it was monumental. It was beautiful. It was like, whatever. It was, f-. but he did it in a nice way. I kind of like him, actually. And then uh, Jessica Alba buried the lead. We had coolers. So there was coolers with dry ice. And then furniture, big dirty furniture blankets over them, just because you don't want anyone to Touch go into it's dry ice. Yeah. And then I walked because I left my post to go talk to Jude Law, basically. <laughs> to go insult I, his favorite. Band. Yeah, yeah. And then I went to walk back up, and I see Jessica Alba pulling up the furniture blankets and reaching into the cooler. Oh no! And I got to do a big like, yeah, yeah, like I, you know, I saved her. I thought. <laughs> and then, and then I had to insult her because she said. I just wanted a bottle of water because I kind of yelled at her. And she, and I said, why would you think we'd hide bottles of water in there? Like this is a five-star party with hors d'oeuvres and alcohol everywhere. And this is way up to the side and whatever. And then she just gave me a look like, you're an asshole. And walked yeah, I don't, I don't know that you saved her. I, you might have aggrandized that situation just a little bit in your mind. No, in my mind, for sure. Yeah. I thought I saved her. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So... Yeah, so I feel like you keep circling away from this a little bit. So okay, you're, you're the like, sister thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you're getting you're getting people, other people hooked. You've mentioned that. Yes. But now your sister is going to move. Yes. To L.A. for separate reasons. Yeah. Um, so she was moving out to be a model, like mm-hmm. I said, and um, and I was doing you know pretty well in the uh, you know collecting bottles for heroin and things like that. And, and your house is empty. Right? My house because there's is nothing empty. in there because you sold it all. Absolutely. Um, you know, to where my mom, like, they came out for one visit once, which all the visits were short. My contact with them was very limited because of the shame thing. And, you know, you know what you are and you can fake it a little bit, but you try to minimize it. Mm. And I remember my mom looking around the apartment and she's just, 
she asked where all my furniture was and and this is I have a bit about this now but to where I, I said well you know I don't I don't really have any or something and she looked around the room and she's like but even Jeffrey Dahmer has furniture <laughs> Like that was, and it was you know at funny least like a refrigerator and a yeah, yeah. cutting board or something. Oh yeah, it was it was pretty dismal in there. And um, do you but, blame them at all for not figuring it out? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. I was doing it. I am a good liar, manipulator, whatever. And they, um, you know, I don't. I think it's strange in a sense. Now looking back at it, that they did let my sister come back out, I don't blame them one fucking bit. You know, obviously I was doing a better job hiding it than I thought, but mm-hmm. I know there was stuff before that that had to be alarming. And um, and she came out. They rented us a nicer apartment because that was part of the deal for me to live with her. And I was already burning bridges at the Franklin Manor with for various reasons. And um being, being a jerk, owing people money, stealing pro- stuff. I mean all that stuff. All that sure. stuff and probably Are you all like stealing from my, each other here and there? Not yet at this point. Okay. When we go to this cold water canyon. So okay. Bobby and I had had hooked up and become, you know, heroin buddies. Billy mm. was sort of isolated. He was living over at another end of of um Hollywood by Melrose and so I wasn't seeing him as much. And so me, Bobby, and Ashley moved over to Coldwater Canyon back in the valley. Mm-hmm. Nicer apartment. And um, it was one of these things like we had to fight to get the apartment. They had to try to rent it out from underneath us. And we fought to get it and then immediately defaulted on the rent because <laughs> we're fucking heroin addicts. Um, my sister, um, you know, I gave my sister heroin, which is truly For the first the time. Shame. She's, yeah, never, yeah. she's never done it. Yep. So she moves out. Do you, do you give her heroin before she moves there? Like nope. while she's visiting or is this after she moves? Nope. She had moved out. You know, she's 19 mm-hmm. probably. And um, uh, so she f- she filled me in on this because I, I, I truthfully did block a lot of this out, I think, because it is so so shameful to me. And, um, and it's, you know, it is probably one of the worst things that I've ever done. I've done a lot of bad things. And she... she um, um, apparently one night we were uh, blowing lines of coke, or we were doing lines of coke and drinking and playing games. And she, she had indicated to us she had done that before, so that wasn't a big deal. That's what made it okay to get that. So we went to Richard and, and got that. And then, um, and then apparently we did a whole bunch. And she was feel it was like one of those four a.m. things where everyone's really like spun out and feeling horrible. And she's my little sister, and she's all anxious, and she. She said, she said to us, like, why are you guys okay? Why, why isn't there anything wrong with you guys? I feel awful. And then she, she said that I said, well, we have some hash. So, you know, if you want to smoke some hash, it'll make you feel better. And then I gave her hash, which was heroin, of course. She, so she's thinking it's just the standard marijuana hashish. And she said, um, she said you know, I've As smoked hash before. Or whatever, yeah. So that's not a big deal. And I gave it to her, and apparently the next morning she said, I went to her, and I felt bad. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know that wasn't hash. That was heroin and, you know, whatever. And, and she said her initial, the first thing she thought and said was basically like, oh, that was heroin? That wasn't bad at all. Like, oh, like, like I would do that again. You broke down that barrier. Exactly. And then all of a sudden it's on. 
Do you think she would have smoked heroin if you offered it to no. her as heroin? Um, I, yes, because I think she really admired me and probably would have done anything that I, you know, that I would, uh, what, you know, I set the tempo for when I was 18 or whatever, 20, I'd come home from college, they're 15 and I'd show them new records and, you know, I was a big brother and it's just so sad, you know, that I did that. And, um, and yeah, so yeah, I think she would have done whatever, uh, whatever I would have said. So, and it, it, it was immediate, apparently, that we just got on it, and, and she fell right in. And I was going to say, so now you've got, this, she's part of your crew, so yep. your family's not tied, not your family's tied to your crew, but it kind of unites these worlds that have been separate in a sure. good way, right? You have a different level of a partner. Yeah, you know, um, I asked her if she had any sense that I was guilty about it back then, mm-hmm. and she said, no, not really. <laughs> And and I know I was. I know sure. I was deeply ashamed of it. But um, I think I was very much in the whole thing like, you know, let's act like this is cool or okay. And at that place on cold waters where it really started to get bad, like um, I lost my car. I lost an entire vehicle that my dad bought for me. It was um, – okay. I was a piece of shit who had his dad buy him a gift because, you know, they're, they're like losing – contact with me uh, you know I think and I think it was a way to um, my dad's always used money or thing as a way to kind of keep you connected like okay we'll do this project for this car for instance but you have to make me a payment of 200 a month you know but, like, but then you have to have contact or yeah, whatever. yeah it's yeah, not, yeah, I mean, it's exactly not, it's not super nefarious or anything not at all not at all and, all, and you probably don't even you probably don't even know how much you're losing contact with them right because right. you're just in this world i mean right you can forget to call your parents because you're busy at work right. for two weeks i mean think much less he was this disconnected and it's not him i'm not at all saying that they're wrong i'm saying we were this disconnected mm-hmm. That for my birthday, that first year at Coldwater Canyon, he sent me a new driver, like a <laughs> golf club. And and it's just like, I haven't even, what? And I haven't golfed since I was 18 or something like that. But it was funny, and it, it really touched me, actually. He, he, uh, he cut out a picture of his own face with a word bubble that just said, like, like, come on, Gabe, hit it here or something. Like, it was kind of implying, like, I know you're pissed at me. You know, like, use it. But it was with humor yeah. or whatever. And, it like, I mean, that made me, you know, made me want to cry and, and was um, uh, um, gave me perspective, you know, that, uh, that they were losing contact and that it was a, a shitty time, you know, and, and uh, were trying to, you know, reach out. I mean, that's tough because you probably want to contact them, but also you don't because, mm-hmm. A, you're afraid they'll find out. Mm-hmm. And, and you're scared that they will and you, for yourself and then for them, the whole thing. Yeah. No, I mean, you want to. You, you want to be connected the whole time. You want to, um, to tell people what's going on. And you just can't. The, the idea, especially at that point, um, I hadn't um, been a failure yet or, or hadn't disappointed so the idea of, you know, pulling that rug out is very, especially, you know, like I used to think that, you know, I have a dad who's never done drugs. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think he smoked pot. So how f- foreign is it going to be when I tell him heroin, you know? Right. 
and it is it is that it is a different step. It's different it, it than is. saying like, oh, I've been doing hallucinogen. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, you for, almost for the never re- have yeah. to call your parents and tell them that you're hooked. You know, mom, dad, I've, I've been doing shrooms. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. And in, in fact, I think one of the only times I called my parents late at night was when we were doing shrooms. We were eating shrooms and snorting coke. And I had read in People magazine that day that George Clooney was smarmy because I think he had won People's 50th or whatever, whatever most beautiful man. And... And it said the word smarmy like three times, and it was bothering me that whole day. Like smarmy, what the fuck, you know? And then thinking of him grinning all like he is smarmy, the motherfucker. And then we're driving on Ventura Boulevard, and we were going to go to this bar, and there's this building that was all ivy. And all of a sudden, you see door open, and all these cameras and lights like paparazzi. And who's standing there? Fucking little old George Clooney. And I'm ripped on mushrooms and coke and ecstasy. And I go charging through the paparazzi line and I grab his hand and like start shaking it very aggressively, like moving his whole body going, boy, George, sure is nice to meet you. You sure are smarmy. You're the most <laughs> smarmy actor I've ever met. <laughs> and you know what? He was, he was all like classy and trying to like whatever, smile me off of it kind of. It's like, God damn, he is a classy, nice guy. That's why those 11 guys follow him. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a lot no of people to follow me. You. Right. Right. Absolutely. I got I to gotta ask, did you sell the driver? What, what's that? Did you sell the driver? No. No. I kept the driver. I think I ch- – no, I sold the driver. Okay. I did. Damn it. I did do it. <laughs> I do remember I held on to it for a long time. It was symbolic to me. Sure. And uh, But no, I think I did ultimately sell it. I sold everything. everything. I mean, I, 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 I had kind of nothing. Assume. Yeah. 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 And, and you have nothing for a long time. Well, but at a certain point, though, right, you've done it for so long that it probably starts to seem kind of normal. It does for sure. It, it all normalizes. And, and even like how dark it gets is you start, you know, you get really high and – the, you know, you put heroin in all your pockets of your pants and your shirts and whatever. So when you run out and it's 2 a.m. and the dealers are closed or whatever, you start pulling out all your laundry and you start pulling all your pockets and turning them inside out and pulling the seams apart to see if there's anything. And, I mean, you would find little, little chunks and you'd, ooh, you'd smoke that little tiny bit and then you'd look for more. And, and one of the whatever really funny parts of that is once my sister – found some and we heard her scream out from her room or something and she she had told us that she was going through the carpet and she found a little chunk and she was like oh all excited and didn't want to tell us because it was a big enough chunk that you know we'd want some too yeah and she put it on the tin foil and smoked it and it became immediately clear <laughs> that it was rat shit oh, God. <laughs> because we had yeah we had pet rats Oh, and uh, you had pet rats this whole time. We had uh, my sister. Did, oh my god, she told me um, that we would take them in the car when we go to Gower to get heroin because we thought it was funny. Like I, I mean, I don't even remember this. But yeah, you're we, still buying food for the rats, presumably. Mm, yeah, probably. Who knows what became of the rats? They're dead. Well, I didn't think they were still died. with us. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think they were. I mean, like, I don't even remember be the Christmas motherfuckers at the house. I was watching Star Trek. I mean, just, that was... It's always interesting to me when people have, like, a massive problem but also a pet. Yes. You know, it's oh, a weird... Oh, God. It's a... I mean, a, an albatross, also a bird. When you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should have an albatross while you... Yeah. Yeah. I... Um, th- this is where, like, even the jobs... So we got fired, I think, from Rob Fox, or at least he quit calling because mm. we were not very reliable. 
and the job started getting dark. Like um, by the end, I, I remember I worked for Bobby got his jobs for a moving company. The moving company um, was all um, illegal aliens. They were all Mexican illegal aliens. And I was the lowest man on the totem pole. I was the only one who spoke English into where the like, so we were a moving company. So the people whose house it was would try to talk to me. And the head Mexican guy would like cut them off. Like, no, 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 don't talk to him. <laughs> and then like, and that was a miserable fucking job. Miserable driving through LA traffic for hours and like moving shit in that hot sun out in Temecula. And moving is the worst thing. Ugh. I've heard is that moving is the worst thing that you can voluntarily do to yourself, mm-hmm. basically. And then the idea of living in that every day sounds oh, yeah. awful. Oh, my God. And, and I mean, and doing it, like you'd be on the road for 16 hours and come home. And I don't know, that, that definitely did not last long. But being the lowest man, and no one spoke English except one other guy who hated me. You know, And you was, can't have been in great physical shape at this point, right? Like how much are thin. you? How much? Yeah, but like how much have you deteriorated at this point physically? Um, I think I was. I still actually did have strength. Like I was okay strength wise, but you lose your your fat reserves certainly. Like I was down from like let's say my walk around weight is two hundred eight or mm-hmm. two hundred right now, and by the end of it, when it was done, I was one fifty five, and that's you know looks good cut chiseled my heroin body was great no it was it was you know and my teeth i lost teeth from it and it's not that they just fall out of your head Mm. but one time i was eating soft corn and one of them snapped so that can't be good wow yeah it's it's your your overall health is just so bad it's so bad. What causes the tooth decay? I mean, it's not the smoke itself. It's not like meth where the smoke does yeah, it Yeah, because the meth is I a think. chemical blast. Yeah, yeah. I really think it's just – it's things like you get a cavity and then you get – you know, your mouth is dry all the time mm-hmm. from heroin. And then they get drilled out. So then it's a weak, brittle tooth and you have a cavity thing in there and then it just breaks. And Well, and you're, there's, I'm sure you're, you're, you're not eating a lot. So you're not getting nutrients. No. And then you're, you know – and when I ate, it was shit. The, uh, there, there's something about being a drug addict too that's been um, – that you eat a lot of sugar or mm. want a lot of sugar. And I don't know if that's true or if that's just my experience, but I know that was a thing. And it was for everyone in our house. Sugar mm. is a little teeny tiny drug mm-hmm. in a way. I mean maybe it's, yeah, maybe no, it's it just that. There's one more thing you're – Absolutely. And tossing – tiny little thing to toss onto the pile. Yeah, and basically it was at this point that we started um, – you know, like trying to quit, trying to be really, like, yeah, because it got so like we would get up in the morning, mm. and this is to the point where you wake up in the morning sick. And this basically. is who's the the we is you, so your sister, is, Bobby. Yep, and Bobby, yeah. and we have a three bedroom apartment, and you know, with a pool out front, whatever. We're never at the pool. We we put we actually put tin foil on the windows. I, I my sister had to tell me that I didn't remember that at all because we didn't want this you know the sun in there. And we would – I mean it was a sunny apartment, but we could have got better curtains. And um, – Well, you had all that tinfoil already. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's what she said. She said we'd run out and we'd go rip a little corner off of it and then smoke it off of it. So we would um, – Still buying from the Pedros, by the way? Still buying from the Pedros. Okay. I remember mixing with a different guy. She reminded me of this. Somehow I got this idea of stealing from drug dealers. 
In fact, I remember one of the most rageful things was Billy once, like, you know, I would still go visit him every once in a while. Every once in a while, we'd get it together enough to where it'd be like, hey, we're both not sick today. We both have a stash. Like, you come to my house and listen to records or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. So I'd make the trek over there. And uh, he lived right across from a park that was, a, like, apparently a notorious gay hookup spot. And Billy always had his pants too low, so his ass crack would show. Mm-hmm. And he said he was cleaning out his car, bending over near this park. And he said he felt a presence behind him. And he turned around, and he was like a really big, fat guy. And he had his wallet out. And he said it had like an inch of green cash. And he was like th- kind of like thumbing it and looking down. And Billy's like, you know, you know, what are you doing, whatever. And the guy was really sheepish, I guess. And he's like, um... Um, I was just wondering if uh, if you'd be willing to uh, uh, piss in my face for some money. <laughs> and Billy, you know, called him a, a fag because Billy was very intolerant at that point. Well, and you knew a lady. You could have called her. With him. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I never even called that back. And then, uh, yeah, she was. That was two, but that was two piss mops. Sure. Yeah, I know. needed a pisser. Oh, yeah. right, right. And I remember having a real argument and falling out with Billy where I left that day in a huff because I was just like, and you didn't take it? Or you didn't call me? Like, I'd piss in his face. Or, go, like, you don't ha- go piss in a cup in your apartment and throw the cup in his face for 100. <laughs> but yeah, bargain with him. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I just couldn't believe we could have had all this heroin, you know? Yeah. And it, and it is one of those, like, it's like, yeah, it's hideous, but like, you're weirdly separated from the hideousness. I mean, yes. And, and right. And, and then, and of course, in that time, all these things that you've done, in your mind, it's like, that's 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 registered out for you, yeah. Yeah, I lie to my parents. I've I've made everyone in my family hurt. You know, like Christ, this is nothing. And um, and I mean, what's just weird? Like, it sounds like I'm trying to be funny, but it really was. Like, I was mad. You know, truly mad. Like, what the fuck is his problem? You know, he's got to get it together. He didn't piss away a lot of heroin. Right. Right. guys that is the end of my heroin diary um i think i got everything i don't know it was a very blurry time and um i want to say thanks and sorry to my my sister ashley who uh, put through that and my parents who should not have listened to this podcast but god damn it if you're here you can't bring this up at dinner or anything like that just pretend that neither of us know what happened All right. Thank you guys for listening to the show. See you next week.